Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. John chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that comparison, by the way, is a comparison of the old covenant and the new covenant. Moses represents a figure, or better still, the old covenant. And Jesus represents the new covenant. The old covenant came to Moses, and then the new covenant came to Jesus, our Lord and, and personal Savior. So what is the difference between this law and something called grace and truth? Most times people talk about grace, but what exactly is the effect of this grace in our walk with God? What is the right context, scriptural context of the grace of God. What does the law mean? And what does the grace mean? So again, the best explanation is to make you understand these are two different dispensations. Now listen, let us clarify this once and for all. Law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. Somebody gave the law, but grace and truth had to come through somebody. Law was given by his servant, Moses. Grace and truth came to his son, Jesus Christ. The will of God for us is not to live under a servanthood mentality. But God wants us to live as sons and daughters. But the law came first before grace and truth came. When Moses gave the law, it changed the way God relates related with the children of Israel. Now, let me take you back. I'm going to really do a, a very quick summary of the whole covenant in few seconds, very fast. When God created Adam and Eve, Adam, God was relating with Adam, not based on Adam's goodness, but based on God's goodness. And at a point, God gave Adam an instruction, eat of all the trees, including tree of life but don't eat of one tree it's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil listen everybody you have to really pay attention i want to say so many things i really need your attention this is a solid food teaching so you really have to prepare your heart listen the name of the tree that god didn't want adam and eve to eat from is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil again that tree when you eat it you get to know what is good and what is evil now god doesn't want to relate with adam and eve based on that knowledge because god is a good god and there is no evil in god but there's this particular tree called knowledge of good and evil if they get to eat from that tree they'll begin to know what is good and what is evil? There is no evil in God. 
God knows that if they eat of this tree, when man has a good notion about God, or when man is in a good state, when man does something good, when man feels good, he approaches God. But the moment man feels as if God is not pleased with him, it meant as if man feels as if he is not worthy. The moment as if man feels as if maybe he has done something evil, he will start to run away from the face of God. Dual mentality is when you know what is good and evil. You think about it. Why would God resist these guys from eating this tree? God knowledge of good and evil. Shouldn't man know what is good from what is evil? But as at that time in the beginning, God only wanted man to relate with him without having the consciousness of good and evil. God just wants man to just come and everything man will do to God, will say to God, were all acceptable to God because there was no judgment of, is this good? Is this not good? Is this good? Is this evil? You know, today so many believers ask this question. Is it good for a believer to do this? Is it good for a believer to do that? And uh, should a believer do this? You know, all, those, all of those should they, would they, would they? One of the things God was restricting Adam and Eve from doing is to eat of that tree because the moment they ate that tree, I think that tree is what becomes what they call conscience today. Whereby we have so many do, um, should I, should I not? If I, will God still love me? Okay, I mistakenly did this. Does God still love me? And all of those things that produces insecurity. The truth of the matter is man is technically more inclined towards the negative, towards the evil than the good. Just relax. Rest. Let me take time to bring all of these things together. I have so many things to say. So when Adam ate of the tree, what God was avoiding in the first place when God told them not to hit it is because man is naturally inclined towards the negative. Or better still, God knew that man may not be able to handle knowing good and evil because man would be more inclined towards the evil than the good. For example, the moment they head of the tree, they've always been naked in the garden. Adam and Eve have always been naked. The Bible says in the book of Genesis 2, I strongly believe that they were naked and not ashamed. That should be Genesis 2, maybe 15, 16 or 20 or thereabout. They were naked and not ashamed. So they've been naked. They were not ashamed because they don't know what is good and what is evil. You should really, really know why God was protecting these guys from eating this tree. So that when God is protecting you today by telling you not to do some things, when God is leading you not to say some things, when God is leading you to live a particular way of life, it's not because he's trying to do it so that you can just please him. No, it's also because he loves you and God will protect you. He cares about you. So he doesn't want you to live anyhow. He doesn't want you to just take anything anyhow because your body is a temple now. God protects you. When God gives you a law, when God gives you an instruction, it is not mainly for him. It is mainly for you. And because he loves you, God doesn't want to see you get hurt. So that is why God gives instructions most times. So that you recognize your good and evil, the moment they hurt it, Man was tilting towards the evil direction. The first thing Adam said is, we are naked. He said, God, I hear your voice. I was afraid. So Adam mentioned the word fear. Afraid. He mentioned the word naked. He has always been naked. 
but was beginning to not get inclined to the evil part of himself, to the negative part. This is why even today, when you give people compliments, let's assume you put on a very nice outfit, and then when you left the house, you got so many compliments. Oh, your shirt is nice. You say, thank you. Oh, your, your hair is nice. Thank you. Your trousers is nice. Thank you. Your shoe is nice. You say, thank you. If you get 10 good compliments and then you get one bad compliment from somebody who doesn't possibly know about fashion and the person sees you and say, how come you look like a masquerade? Or how come you look like this? And the person says something that is not so pleasant to you. When you want to sleep at night, it is very easy to focus on that one unpleasant compliment over 10 good other compliments you've received. Man is naturally inclined towards the negative. It's not as if people tend to have so many records of something somebody did to them that they were not okay with in the past. They have at least, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they have at least one or two major experiences over good experiences <laughs> of what people have done to them. Man is technically towards totally inclined towards the negative. And this is the reason why God didn't want Adam to eat of the chain in the beginning. Because Adam was no longer focused on the goodness of the good God. He was not getting focused on the things that he feels, because now he knows good and knowledge of good and evil, he's not beginning to focus on the negative things about himself. No longer the positive things about God. That is the whole idea in the first place. By the way, so when he ate of this tree, by the way, and then because God gave a word, if he eats this tree, he's going to die. So the relationship changed, and Adam and Eve gave back to Cain and Abel. And then this is going to be a long explanation. And then from that time, by the way, to the time of Moses, God was dealing with the children of Israel based on what I call the grace of God. God was not dealing with people like Joseph. God was not dealing with people like Abraham based on their goodness, but based on the goodness of God. Genesis 15 says, Abraham believed God. It was accounted unto him as righteousness. So the basis of Abraham's righteousness was not based on Abraham's works, but based on God's faithfulness. So God was relating with men, giving men not what they deserve, but what is what he decided. God was blessing Abraham. God was with Abraham, not because Abraham is 100% faithful, but because God is a faithful God. And when God delivered the children of Israel, God sent Moses to go rescue them, to go deliver them, not because of their faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness. And God was consistent in relating with man based on his own faithfulness, not man's faithfulness. But when he got to Exodus chapter 19, you can go read this later on. Exodus chapter 19 from verse 1 to verse 8, there was a conversation whereby the children of Israel were, they told Moses that Moses should talk to God directly. They don't have to talk to God. And then, But the, the real context is, they told Moses that anything God tells them to do, they are going to do it. And from day one, when God was relating with them, even when God delivered them from Egypt and God walked them to the Red Sea, God has never related with them based on what they do or what they didn't do. 
God was always related with them because God is a good God. And when God was relating with these people, it has nothing to do with them. The children of Israel were always murmuring. They murmur every single time. At times when they are hungry, they will say it to the face of Moses. You should have left us in Egypt and let us die. They always use that word die. You know, I was studying the book of Exodus one time, and the number of times the of Israel were using the word die. You should have left us, let us die. How come you bring us to come and die in front of the Red Sea? We could have died in Egypt. They like using that word die so much. Moses must have been a great leader to be able to manage over 2 million people who murmurs a lot. But God never used it against them. When they complain about food, God gave them manna. When they complain about water, God gave them water from a rock. God has never related with them based on their actions, based on their faithfulness, based on their goodness. But God related with them based on his own faithfulness, based on his own goodness. But in Exodus chapter 19, they told Moses, anything God tells them to do, they will do. So this is where legality came to play. And then God gave them the law through Moses. So the law was given by Moses. The context in John chapter 1 verse 17 started in Exodus chapter 20. And what changed? So now God was now relating with them, not based on God's goodness anymore, but based on their goodness. And God told them, even in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. <laughs> so they changed that relationship, available on request. And then for the ones that did good among them, they, they got good. For the ones that were unfaithful, they got unfaithful results. That was the law. So the law is literally a result you get based on your goodness. The blessings God bless you based on your goodness is that kind of law mentality. But under the grace, God blesses you not based on your goodness, but based on Christ's goodness. So the law is what you are to God. The grace is who Christ is to God. So the law are the things you do in order to be accepted by God. The grace are the things Christ did in order to present you in the sight of God. So the law put responsibility, demands on you. The grace supplies to you. Under the law, God gave ten commandments. You must, you must not. The focus is on you. Under the grace, the focus is on Christ and on God himself. Hebrews chapter 8. He says, I will be merciful unto your unrighteousness and your sins. I will remember no more. I will, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will. So it was more what God will do and what God shall do. Under the law, it is more about what man must do. The grace focused on Christ. The law focused on man. So the law was given by Moses. What man must do in order to be accepted by God. The grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. What Christ has done to make us accepted by God. I, I, I hope I was able to successfully explain that. So from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, burial and resurrection, they lived under the law. Why must, w the law is what you must do in order to be accepted. And Jesus clearly stated, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. Jesus, to an extent, <laughs> he lived under the law he broke a few law, though, technically. <laughs> but Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus preached the law. Why did he preach the law? Because they were still under the dispensation. 
if you want to be a very good preacher during the time of Moses to the time of Jesus until you resurrected, you must preach the law. You shouldn't preach the grace because grace only came through Jesus Christ. So if, you are, if you're a good preacher during the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, you should be preaching the law. Your message should be, you should get right with God. Live a holy life. Be this, the same way God is this. You put responsibility on people, not on what Christ has done. You put the responsibility on people. You point men to the things they are not doing enough. You tell them to love God. You tell them to make sure they do this, to do that. You always place emphasis on men, on the things they must do, or the things they are not doing enough, on how they should pray more, on how they should fast more, on how they should fellowship more, on how they should read their Bible the more. Those are the messages you should preach if you are under the law. But you know what? We are under the grace. So it's not you pointing men to themselves anymore. Because the grace is what Christ has done to make us accepted. The law are the things we must do to be accepted. Our message right now should change. Oh, so you mean we should not preach old covenant anymore? No, I didn't say that. The Bible actually says that. I will show you that shortly. But let me get this across to you one more time. One more time. I have not been able to successfully explain it, but let me get it across to you again. So if you are to live during the time of Adam and Eve, your message will be one message. If you are a preacher during the time of Adam and Eve, you only have one message to preach. If you are a preacher sent from God, it is to tell people, good morning everybody. I just want to remind you guys, you can eat of all the trees in the garden just like the Lord commanded, except one tree. As long as you eat other trees, the blessings of God will keep flourishing. You keep seeing the hand of God. You keep seeing the healing of God. You keep experiencing financial breakthrough. But make sure you don't eat of one tree. The tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. That's a fantastic message to preach. I mean, under the disposition of, most of, of Adam and Eve, you can't preach something like, the grace of God. You come to something like, well, Christ died. Because as at that time, they, they, they won't understand what you're talking about. Under the dispensation of Moses, when he gave the law, from Moses to the time of the burial and resurrection of Jesus, before he resurrected, because grace came through Jesus, and it manifested literally after his resurrection. Before that time, if you want to preach from Moses' time, if you live during the time of Moses' old covenant, if you live during before the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, your message is the law. These are the messages you preach. Make sure you live a holy life. Make sure you fast and pray. If you are not praying enough, if you are praying for one hour, start praying for two hours. If you are praying for two hours, start praying for ten hours. And then you always put responsibility on men. Tell them more things to do. Make sure you get right with God. If you're living a life and then it's not pleasing to God, God will come for you. And then you always put responsibility back on people. And then at times you scare them. If you don't give your life to Christ, you will go to hell. Those are messages you will preach under the time of the law. Those are law messages because it puts responsibility back on men, the things they must do, the things they're not doing enough. At times you scare them so that they can do more. But it's always about men doing, by the way. But now... We are no longer under the law. Not my words. I can show you so many scriptures that says we are no longer under the law. For example, Galatians chapter 5 says if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are no longer under the law. 
The book of Galatians also says, now that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The Bible says in Romans 6.14, sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law, but under the grace of God. So many scripture verses. So the message now will change. It won't be about what you must do anymore. It will be about what Christ has done. Christ died for the forgiveness of your sins and he was raised from the dead for your justification. That is the message today. That is the purest message you can ever preach today as a New Testament preacher. Christ, it is more about what Christ has done. Because the gospel unveils the righteousness of God. So it is to tell people, Christ died for your sins. God raised him up on the third day for your justification. So if you believe in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. Not because of you, but because of Christ. So today God will keep blessing you. God will keep favoring you. Not because you deserve it, but because Jesus took your place on the cross. He became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God. If you are trusting God for healing, guess what? There is provision made available. Because Jesus took your sickness on the cross, the Bible says he himself took your infirmity. Who am I pointing you to? Christ. So the message of the grace of God will not point you to yourself will not point you to do's and don'ts because do's and don'ts kind of idea is the knowledge of good and evil that these guys had the fruit in the beginning the law points you to self the grace points you to christ so when i say law and grace you should understand what i mean so the law points you to self grace points you to christ any good preacher that is preaching to you, you want to know whether a message is from God, whether a person is a gospel preacher, if the message is pointing to Christ, then that is the true gospel. Message that points you to Christ is the true gospel. Sadly, today we still have so many people that preaches the law and they don't preach the grace of God. They kept, keep telling you more things to do. 10 things to do, 20 things to do, 5 things to do, more things to do. They will make you pray after you pray. They say you are not praying enough. They will say if you want to access some place, some deep realms in the, in, the, in the presence of God, if you want to get to some levels in the presence of God, you have to do this. That is the law. And we are no longer under that dispensation. If you want God's people to be blessed, you have to preach Christ. If you are preaching the law again, you are pointing people to themselves and it will produce other emotions outside faith, hope, and love. Our message today is to make people understand because of what Christ has done, you have access to the holies of holies. Under the law, you tell people you have to pray long hours in order to have access to the holies of holies. If you are still during the time of Adam and Eve, you have to tell people, make sure you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that you can have access to the holies of holies. I hope this, this, this is a powerful statement I'm trying to communicate to you. If you experience, if you're trusting God for financial blessings right now, you, if you are to live during the time of Adam and Eve, you will tell them, you say, you know what? As long as you don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God is going to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. If you are to live under the law from the time of Moses to before the barrier, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, to preach a fantastic message on financial prosperity, you just tell them, if you want God to bless you, if you want God to prosper your business, you have to do this. Uh, you have to pray. Uh, you have to give to the poor. Uh, you have to pay your tithe. Uh, the person that doesn't even have money, trusting God for financial virtue, you said he should go and give to the poor. Is he not poor in the first place? <laughs> the person that doesn't have money, you're saying you pay tithe. He doesn't even have money in the first place. 
but that is the law. The law points you to self, the things you must do, or the things you're not doing enough. Well, guess what? Under the grace of God, if you want to preach the same message of financial prosperity, you will say something like if Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So you are the blessed of God. Because of what Christ has done with for you, the favor, the blessings, the goodness of God is haunting you down. And the favor of God can supernaturally, supernaturally get you the good you don't deserve. So you see and experience the financial breakthrough from God. And then you'll be amazed how people you don't know, someone you don't know, someone you, that have not heard from you in a long while can give you a call and then send you money out of the blues because you are the favored of God through Christ and through what Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, um, Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit, Christ, though being rich, he chose to be poor so that you through his poverty can become rich. So Jesus took your poverty so today you can enjoy his riches and glory. Supernatural provisions because of what Christ has done. If God will give you Jesus, his only begotten son, how much more will he not provide and give you everything that you ever need? And then when you start thinking based on what Christ has done, it produces faith. When you start feeling as if, when you go under the law again to go preach the law to people, telling them they have to do more if they want to get more results, telling them if they want to see any kind of breakthrough, they have to do any kind of thing. You're pointing them to themselves. That's still a law message. I mean, what I'm preaching is solid food. I really, I really hope people are, are receiving this into their hearts. I can camp here for the rest of this session. Our message is not the law. Our message is the grace. So I just created a picture of if you're a preacher under any of this dispensation to you. If you're a preacher under the time of Moses, I told you what you preach. If you're a preacher under the time of Jesus, I told you what you preach. If a preacher under the time of Adam and Eve, I told you what you preach. But which one should I preach? If you're a pastor, if you're a minister, if you're a preacher, and you're asking which one should you preach, let me show you what the scripture says about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in the next session, I'll be able to show you the message of Jesus, the sermon of Jesus on the mount, to make you understand Jesus himself preached the law. But why would Jesus preach the law? Because he, at that time he was there to die and resurrect. So he had to preach the law because he lived under the dispensation of the law. It was after his resurrection that the message of grace started. That the apostles and people like Paul can preach a message that says God justifies the ungodly. Under the law, you have to be godly before God justifies you. Under the grace, God justifies the ungodly. Under the law, in order to get anything good from God, you have to deserve it. Under the grace, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, when we don't deserve it. Under the law, you do good to get good. Under the grace, you get the good you don't deserve. Because Jesus took your bad that he didn't deserve. Glory to God. These are powerful statements. Let me show you Second Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 also made comparison between the law and the grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just going to start reading from verse 
Let me start reading from verse. I'm going to read from verse 3. And let's see how far we can go. I may read to verse 8, but let's start from verse 3. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3 says, For as much, I'm reading KJV, as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stones, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God word. By the way, Paul was just trying to say the fact that now, under this dispensation, if we preach Christ, the law of the Lord will be written in the heart of people. Obeying God when you preach Christ, under the grace, obeying God becomes a fruit because the Holy Spirit will imprint the law of the Lord in your heart. Under the grace to obey God is works. Under the grace to obey God is fruit. Under the law to obey God is works. But we can't be justified by works. So the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So you see yourself living for God, living a holy life because Christ has been preached to you. You know, in the early session of this series, I clearly stated that the gospel of Christ is not morality. The gospel of Christ will produce morality. It will produce a holy living. It will produce a right living. But the gospel of Christ is to show you your right standing based on what Christ has done. So it is not you living right to stand right. It is you living right because you have been unveiled and been taught that Christ is your righteousness. So we point you to what Christ has done again, not to point you to what you have to do. What you do will become a fruit. And what Christ has, Christ has done is the message of the gospel. So he was trying to compare that, yeah, during the Old Testament, Moses had to write the law on tablet. They had to write the law to remind themselves from time to time. But if you're born again today, the Bible makes us understand that the law is now being written in your heart. That's what Paul was trying to say. And then verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Verse 6, Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament? Not of the letters, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, the Spirit gives life. Listen, before you call yourself a gospel minister, you should know what you're ministering. Are you a gospel minister of the whole covenant or the new covenant old testament or the new testament most of the time i've had people say something like well all these new testament preachers i'm thinking is that exactly not what the bible calls us we are ministers of the new testament because this is the dispensation we find ourselves again if we are all to exist in the old covenant we won't know it's old by the way because it will be only one dispensation those in the old covenant they just leave that dispensation. They don't know there will be another new one. Only a few of them spoke by the leadings of the Spirit of God. David in Psalm 32 says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose, whose, whom God will impute righteousness. David was able to, to an extent, prophesy about us. But if we were to live in their dispensation, by the way, we will preach their testament, we will preach their covenant. But how do you expect me to live in this dispensation, New Testament grace that Jesus has died for and he rose, God raised him from the dead for me. And you want me to keep preaching the message Moses would have preached. 
If I'm preaching that law again, then I'm preaching the wrong message. If I'm preaching the grace, I'm preaching the right message. If I want you blessed, I have to preach the message in your dispensation. This is why I preach the grace of God. In fact, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Who has also made us ministers of the New Testament? God made you ministers of the New Testament. People should understand it. At times people say something like, well, you should balance it. Balance old and new. This is what the Bible says, not what you feel. Not your feeling, what, not what you think. This is exactly what the Bible says. Ministers of the New Testament. God has made you ministers of the New Covenant Testament. So your message should be grace today. How come you, that you've experienced the grace of God, you're still trying to teach, take people back to the law? Do you know what it means when you start preaching the law after you have experienced the grace of God? That is what exactly what it means to backslide. That's exactly what it means to fall from grace. When you are going back to the law. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. The Bible says you have fallen from the grace. Christ has become of no effect of, unto you. You are trying to justify yourself by your works. The moment you don't preach Christ anymore, even though you were redeemed by Christ, the moment you are still pointing people back to themselves, you're falling from the grace. That's exactly what the Bible says. We are ministers of the new covenant. So our message is Christ. It is no longer to point you to yourself. You know, the message should no longer be, well, if you're not getting enough result, it's because you're not praying enough. There's nothing called praying enough anymore. The, that statement is, is not accurate. What does pray enough mean? It's like you're telling people, well, the way he's serving is God. Well, he's not accepted. He has to do it a particular way in order to be accepted by God. Prayer is now a relationship, not a legalism. It is not ours anymore. It is relationship. Under the law, people have to pray, of course, in order to be accepted, in order to get blessing, in order to access some things in God. Because the law is, you do good, you get good. You get results based on your goodness. Under the grace, again, the only person we point you to is Christ. The only person we show you is Christ. So under the grace, Prayer is a fruit. It is no longer about ours. It is now about relationship. It is relationship now. That you can talk to God anywhere, anytime. Washroom, kitchen, boss, workplace. It's now about the consciousness. God consciousness. It is no longer about, ah, I just have to pray for two hours in order to feel as if God is close to me. Or in order for God to be able to do this in my life. No. No matter what you're trusting God for, God can do it with or without your prayer. Because God is a good God. Again, grace pointed to God. If God could give you Jesus while you're a sinner, you think God can give you whatever you need? No. But prayer is a fruit today. Fruit of a good relationship with God. When you see somebody who prays const constantly, frequently, the person has a good relationship with God. And he knows who he is in Christ. So he can't help you than to talk to God and to fellowship with God. When see somebody who prays a lot, it's good. But I hope you are not doing it from a legalistic approach. I explained this in the last session. Somebody can pray for one hour with a law mentality and you can also pray for one hour with a grace mentality. It depends on your motive for praying. Are you praying in order for God to accept you or are you praying because you already know you are accepted by God? So you can't help it. You just want to spend time in the presence of God. This is very important. Your mindset has to be renewed. 
so that everything you do for God today will be a fruit. You are not doing these things to hand point with God. You already have all the points you ever get. Christ gave you all the points. You are not doing any religious activities to get closer to God. This is not a matter of, oh, towards this time of the year, we always have convention in our church. So we have to fast. We have to live holy. That's religion. So on times when you don't have convention in your church, what happens? We are pointing to the fact that Christ has made you closest to God. So you are not moving closer to God. You are not getting closer to God. Christ now lives in you. <laughs> and you are in Him. So you are not doing anything to get closer to God. He is already in you. You are already in Him. So everything you will do, including praying, your religious activity, becomes a fruit of the Spirit. Prayer becomes a fruit. You don't pray because if I don't pray, something may happen. If I don't pray, I may not get some result. I may not. No, these are fruit. Christ has given you everything your, your one billion hours prayer will give you. If you are to pray from today, it just will come. You won't get anything much more than what Christ has already given you. I'm trying to make you understand, again, you don't put the effort back on yourself. It's all about Christ now. That is our message under the New Testament. This is what Paul said. God has made us able ministers of the New Testament. To take it a step further, he says, not of letter, talking about the law, but of the spirit. He said, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. He's saying when you preach the law, it kills people. I will, Holy Spirit, I have five minutes. I will explain this in five minutes. He said when you preach the law, the law kills. The letter kills. The law was written on stone, so it means letter. If you want more proof, read further. Verse 7. But if the ministration of death, talking about the law that came through Moses, if the ministration of death, written and engraving in stones, was glorious, talking about the law, the law was written on stones, it says, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his covenant, which, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Verse 9, in the same context, and compare reason. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So the Bible is comparing Old Testament and New Testament, law and grace. And the Bible says the, the ministration of condemnation, the law, because the law pointed to yourself, if you are not getting enough result, it's because you are not praying enough. That's the law pointing people to themselves again, making them feel as if they are not doing enough. And the thing with the law is no matter what you do, it can never be enough. Because the law in the first place was given not to justify men, but to make iniquity abound. We talked about this in the last session. The purpose of the law was never to justify men. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. If righteousness could be achieved by the law, Christ died in vain. So the essence of the law was not to make man righteous. It is to make man condemned. So the ministry of the law is the ministry of condemnation. If you listen to any preacher and you are feeling condemned, you are feeling bad, you are feeling, you, you are afraid, you are anxious, it's because the person just poisoned you with the law. The person gave you some law. Point you to yourself. That if you are not getting a particular result, it's because you are not doing this enough. No! That is no longer a message. Our message is you can get anything in Christ, in God, as long as you approach God in the name of Jesus. Jesus said whatsoever things you ask the Father in my name. We are not to disqualify God's people. They are now accepted. Preachers, stop disqualifying God's people. Christ has made them accepted. So there is no, uh, if you want to access some special blessing from God, that doesn't exist anymore. Christ is the ultimate blessing from God. And we have received of the fullness of Christ. Grace upon grace. So the message has changed. No longer the law. We now preach the grace of God that comes to us as a gift. Grace is grace because it is a gift, undeserved goodness. 
if you tell people they have to do again to access some special grace, then you just abuse grace. Because grace in the first place is for those that don't deserve it. So how come you are telling those that don't deserve, that, don't, that are not qualified for it, that they have to qualify to get grace? No, grace is for the unqualified. That is why when Christ died for you and I, he died for us while we were yet sinners, when we didn't deserve it, when we were not qualified for it. How come now that we are not born again, you are telling us again to access some special blessing in God, we have to qualify for it. I think when we got the greatest blessing from God, which is our salvation, we didn't qualify for it. I don't deserve to be saved. But you know what? God loved me. He saved me either ways. You don't think because I need financial anything or because I need career anything, I have to do more to get it from God. If he could give me Jesus, Romans chapter 8, and I didn't pray one prayer point. Why will you tell me it's because I'm not praying enough? That that's why God is not showing me some results. You are, you, are, <laughs> you are assassinating the character of God when you talk like that. And you're bringing people back to the law. Making them feel as if they're not doing enough. But when you bring people to the grace of God, tell them Christ has done everything. And God will give you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He built faith on their inside. They can trust. They can hope. And they can know that they are loved by God. Our message has changed. We are no longer preaching ministry of death. We are no longer preaching ministry of condemnation. We are no longer pointing people to themselves. We point them to Christ. We don't point them to their righteousness. We point them to the righteousness of God. We don't point them to their sinfulness. We point them to the righteousness of God. The message has changed because we are able ministers of the new covenant. That is what the scripture says. Stop disqualifying God's people and they are not praying enough. They are not fasting enough. You are preaching on that message. You would have been a fantastic preacher if you had come during the time of Moses. Because that was, that was the message. That was the law message. But if you come under this dispensation, go check the message the apostles preached. You will hear something like, God that justifies the ungodly. That's why the message is they preach. Because they make you understand you don't deserve it, but you know what? God will do it either way because of Christ. Paul will preach a message like, anybody who believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins. Peter preached the same thing. Anyone who believes in Jesus will see forgiveness of sins. Even when you don't deserve it, you know what? As long as you are believing God through Jesus, you receive total forgiveness of sins. So it's no longer about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. His death and resurrection today has brought upon us goodness that we can never recover from. So God loves you. You are forever accepted. He wants to do so many things in your life, not because of you, but because of Christ. And if he could give you Jesus, he would give you everything about his life and godliness. You are loved by God. And he wants you to talk to him about anything about everything. Don't place a demand on yourself. Focus on God's supply. Under the grace, it is God supplying, imputing righteousness to his people. Under the law, it is God demanding righteousness. But guess what? We are no longer under the law. We are under the grace of God. So our message has changed. Stop preaching the law because the law now is a ministry of condemnation. Pointing people to the things, making them feel condemned that they are not doing enough. That's why they're not getting enough results. But now we can preach the grace of God because the Spirit gives life. Let her kill it when the Spirit gives life. When you preach a message and you point people to Christ, it gives life. People experience life in their emotions. They know they are loved. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says now these three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of them is the love of God. Precious Father, we thank you because you are such a good God. There is nothing more beautiful than getting to know that we are now under a dispensation whereby we can come boldly, not because of us, but because of Christ. We can ask you for anything, not because of us, but because of Christ. And if you could give us Christ while we are yet sinners, when we didn't even know how to pray, 
Nothing can stop you from showing up in every aspect of our lives today. We want to trust you. We'll put our hope. We'll put our trust in you. Because we know everything with you is possible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let this mind be in every one of us. In Jesus' beautiful name, I will pray. And there God's people say, Amen. That was an awesome time. Okay, tomorrow, Thursday, on every Thursday, we, we pray for the sick. So if you're joining tomorrow, if you're trusting God for healing, or you need a solid teaching on the healing power of God, or on God's provision for healing, you can join us tomorrow. We'll continue this series tomorrow, but towards the end, we're going to teach on the healing that Jesus has made available for you and high, and we'll pray for the sick. And then on Saturday, uh, we'll be having our session. I'll be having a session with Mr. Shegunwaluja. Um, I know I brought him one last time, but we couldn't finish the session, so he's coming again this coming Saturday. And on Sunday, we'll start our... This is good news, by the way. We'll start our... In Nigeria, ra there's a radio station in Nigeria, Inspiration FM, will be um, hosting us. So I'll be live on Inspiration FM, if there's anything like that. Um, on Sundays, by... I'll communicate the time. <laughs> but every Sunday now, for the next four Sundays, I'll be live on Inspiration FM for 30 minutes. And... To the glory of God, we were able to get sponsors, partners to help us with this project. And they wanted the gospel of Christ to travel to every part of the world. So we got this offer from this radio station with people's support, with people's financial support, of course. And then so for the next four Sundays, we'll be live on Inspiration FM. I'll communicate the date and time, forgive me, the time, so that everybody can connect and you can tune in from any part of the world. You can download the app even if you're outside Nigeria. But if you're in Nigeria, you can just tune in directly to Inspiration FM, Ibadan, Inspiration FM. And then I'll give you more information from time to time. If you'd like to sup support us or partner with us, you want the gospel of grace, the gospel of God's love to travel to every part of the world, or you have any platform you want this gospel to thrive, you want this gospel to be pushed on, just reach out to us. We want to really, really work with you. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next session. God bless you. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And what I'm doing right now, I'm beginning to speak to you in Psalms. Because Ephesians chapter 5 says, Speaking to one another in, in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to God in your heart. And I just want you to know, just like God says in Psalm 23, that He is your shepherd. And He's always with you, even when you don't feel it. So you have all that you need. You may not see it because your sight is limited. But if you focus on this word, you realize you have all that you need. Long before you were born, his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth. If he could give you Jesus, he would give you every other thing you would ever need. Long before you get to that season, he has made provisions available for you. And he wants you to know this. Don't focus on your bank account to define who you are. If he could give you Jesus, he will give you everything. God giving us Jesus is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you he has given you much more than you ever need so just focus on him because you have all that you need and he has made you to lie down in green as pastures in green pastures and when he wants you to lie down he wants you to rest and not stress because he's always working most times you don't feel it so you get worried you get anxious but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down and if he has made you to lie down
then rest. Stop trying to figure out things on your own. Just allow God to do the things he's doing in your life. And he leads you beside the still water where everything is cool, calm, and collected. He restores your soul. If your heart is troubled before you came here, the Lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. And though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Glory to God. Oh, manakai, eluatai. And surely, God's goodness, God's favor, God's unfailing love is what is running after you. Village people are not chasing you. <laughs> it's the goodness of God that is hunting you down. It is pursuing you all the days of your life and you rest in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus